Hey there, folks. This is Tov and Alan, host of Comedy Above the Pub. That is Cat PTUME. The pub is fake. The guests are real, virtual, but real. First of all, I'm joined by my producer, Darcy Finder. How are you? Hey, Todd. I'm great. Yes, uh, we are great because we have a great guest uh, who uh, in- is enjoying cheese as we speak uh, and is muted. Um, but here he comes. Uh, writer, improviser, actor, um, story editor. How about that? Uh, all the way from Run the Burbs, Brandon Hackett joins us. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Uh, it's a pleasure, and it's a pleasure having you on the show. You are welcome anytime, friend. This is uh, this has been a delight. We talk about so many things. We talk about in the audio anyway, because the video got cut off. Uh, truckers are dumb. Uh, we talk about planters fasciitis. Some truckers uh, are dumb. Uh, some truckers are, some truckers are dumb. Not all, hashtag not, not all, all truckers. truckers are idiots. Um, <laughs> uh, that's my new hashtag. It's a little long. We'll, we'll send it to the editing room, see what they come up with. Um, we talk about writing on television, writing in general, uh, improv sparking joy, right? Hmm. Um, masks in writing rooms. Oh, yeah. Right. And, um, that's advent calendar for dogs. Is there? We answer that question. Not in the show, sadly, but that's what we do. Um, uh, what is your, I, I forgot to ask you. I can't remember if we asked. What is your, um, your, uh, Twitter handle? Is it just Brandon Hackett? Brandon, yeah, all Brandon Hackett. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. Make sure you follow Brandon. He is a absolutely fantastic writer, which is why I, uh, that's a dumb sentence, but it's <laughs> exactly, exactly why he is good writer. Brandon, good writer. Um, that's why I always have him on write him up. <laughs> as soon as you went off with the reference to something we said off the air as part yes, of the intro, it blew me. It totally blew me. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's just get to this episode right now so people can enjoy something nice. Okay. Let's do it. Here is Darcy. Here's Brandon. Here's me. And here's the music that starts the whole damn thing. I know you're not in um you're not in like metropolitan like downtown Ottawa but uh, have you been no you're probably tired of hearing about the convoy stuff well but. here's the thing it was real so I um I was on this podcast today I just recorded it today at the time of recording it's mm. today um because uh, this will come out next week so people it just go to my Facebook feed and you'll see you know I'll go hey I was on this thing it's an American podcast um with a couple of guys from the states called lost in America. Uh, look out for that. So what they do is uh, they'll bring in um, people to talk about things that they have kind of a blind spot in. And so uh, through a friend of a friend, uh, I got onto the show as the resident expert of the convoy. <laughs> sure. Of course. Yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> is that the, why is that? Is that the beard, the plaid, the hat? I don't know. I guess. Yeah. It's like, hey, you're front and center for that. What do you think? How many hot tubs were you in this weekend, Todd? Yeah. Did you fire out the barbecue a lot? How was your uh, How was your two weeks in Playville? Um. So no. Uh. Well, first of all, thank you for pointing that out, Darcy. I'm taking this look back. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> safely go outside again. This is me. This is this eye. is the camouflage I wear. Yeah. This is the <laughs> only way that I can walk around Same here. Same principles as uh, as soul food. Yes. <laughs> I just I walk into a place with a mask on. It's weird that he's got his mask on, but I get it. I get it. I see what you're doing. Um, so no, it was, it was interesting hearing sort of like an American perspective on what they perceive this thing to be. Mm-hmm. 
And because, you know, they only get American media, obviously. So like, but they have done some Googling. They're like, so the, the emergencies act, that's okay. Right. It's like, well, I'm talking to you now, you know, it's, we're fine. Um, but it was interesting. You don't realize how sort of fucked up Canadian politics is until you try to explain it to someone. Yeah. You know, like, is like, is this a emergency act a bad thing? Well, not really, because, you know, it, we have to have the, the Charter of Rights. It's going to be fine because the Charter of Rights is here and it's all detailed. And, you know, the right is going to do this. And, well, how come how come they don't uh, just how come Trudeau just doesn't send that in? Ah, well, they can't do that because it's on the provinces. And like, well, how come the provinces? Ah, well, here's the thing there. And there's like, well, you know, the PC leader. Mm, OK, so new thing. And, you know, and as as we're doing this. I'm getting like live updates of the uh, bail proceedings that are going on for the for the organizers. Like, yeah. I, I, I bailed out. Is Pat King still talking? What's he doing? <laughs> oh, no idea. Okay, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> okay, so you know who Pat King is, right, Brandon? He's the main organizer, and he has a lot yes. of like uh, he made a lot of posts about like uh, mm-hmm. the purity of uh, like blood purity or whatever. Yeah. Yes, guys that look like me yeah. think that they have pure blood. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just the the amount of plaid that is required for purity. He also would keep saying Anglo-Saxon uh, as though Correct. that was like a synonym for white. And white is so many things, <laughs> too. Like if, if we're thinking about like. Well, OK. Ethnicity. So the reason he says. So I feel like I'm on that podcast again. So the reason he says that. Is so that, you know, people go, hey, we believe in the white race. And some guy goes, yes, I am white race, too. Mm, not, mm, okay, yes. <laughs> not, uh, we meant more the Englishy type yeah. people. And, uh, zut alors, I am, I am white as well. Je suis bien blanc. No, 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 yeah. no, over. So, yeah, it's fun. No, so, so yeah, Pat King is, uh, it's funny. If you, Here's something just for the next uh, convoy, just a heads up. Uh, if you want to make sure Pat King is not seen as one of your organizers, don't have him on your website with his email and phone number. <laughs> really? Just a, just a tip. Just a tip. So mm. yeah, uh, my, my life has, has not been, uh, impacted. Um, I do have some neighbors that I think are leaning that way, but not, not largely. Okay. Uh, like I, I got asked, did you go down there, you know, to the, to ground zero of dumb? And I was like, they, they didn't call it that. I did, um, not to their faces privately. And, um, uh, I went, you couldn't get me down there if you taped my balls to a cannonball and fired it there. I am not going anywhere near that place. But, mm. um, how was it in Toronto? I, I, I heard rumors that it went quite quickly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm not outside as much <laughs> these days, but um, uh, you know, the cops had set up like blockades and stuff like that. Uh, right. areas. Like, I live just off Dupont, um, which mm-hmm. is the, as you know, a little north of Bloor, mm-hmm. and um, uh, on every street uh, east of where I um, east of where I live, because I go on walks every day or try to. Uh, there's cops set up to kind of prevent people from prevent any sort of or, or interrogate, mm-hmm. I guess, any trucks kind of coming in. Uh, but from what I had heard or seen online, there's a lot of like vitriol, uh, spewed at the, uh, yes. at convoy people. Um, I think the first day they had like parked on University Avenue and were like with barbecues and stuff like that. But then I think afterwards they were kind of soundly, uh, harassed out of the city. Yes. So it hasn't uh-huh. been as bad. I have seen one truck with like a giant 
uh, fuck Trudeau flag and a giant Canadian flag, mm-hmm. but that could also just mm-hmm. be a you know person. Um, yeah, with two big <laughs> flags. So, oh, he's he's probably my neighbor. Yeah, fair. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> The miles they're putting on those things and these gas prices. No wonder they're cranky. Um, <laughs> my my favorite thing I saw out of uh, Toronto's um, occupation, and I'll put that in quotes, um, kind of like in the same way, same way these guys that are protesting have jobs. This mm-hmm. is an occupation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they were complaining that everyone was giving them the middle finger in Toronto and telling them to fuck off more than they've ever been told in their lives. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I just went, I miss Toronto so much. <laughs> yeah, that's like a part of a city attitude that I can, I feel a little bit proud of in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one time Toronto's, I guess, famous hardness <laughs> has come to yes. the social advantage that it needs mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone here is just smiles and chuckles and just pushing all the bit, the bad feelings down inside. Yeah. That's what we do here in Ottawa. Just oh boy. right down there. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll be done soon. I mean, honestly, it, it's once, once you, once you tap their money, once you put the, a couple of them in jail, they'll fold because they're, it's all, it's all bullies that run away with their ball as soon as the, as soon as the shit comes down. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's I cosplay. I really hope so. <laughs> it's, but it, it indicates, I mean, like, okay. So, uh, Pierre Polivare, whatever his name is, uh, who, who wants to run for the piece. By the way, this is comedy about the pub, about comedy all the time. Um, he's an, an MP right around where I live, like just north of here. Like if you go oh. basically this way or that way, and his area is huge. Like we will drive to go get dog food somewhere and we're suddenly in his riding. And then we go 20 minutes north to visit my in-laws and it's still him. Like he's just like the election signs. Yeah. You just see him everywhere. And, uh, uh, even my conservative in-laws, have gone, that guy's a fucking crazy. So yeah. that's nice. He's <laughs> Italian. That's crappy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fair. <laughs> he, he seems kind of bad. Like, like he, he, he yeah. sucks. <laughs> yes. Uh, he, I say very simplistically. Yeah. Well, there isn't a lot of his policy that I think I agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that, um, uh, God should come first above everything else. I think you should have to watch your tongue when you say certain things, yeah. you know? Um, uh, I think gay people are cool. Mm-hmm. That's something. How about that? I, I think immigrants are all right. <laughs> That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Just these are small principles. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to be on board with any of them. So, yeah. uh, I don't know where we are. I don't know where we are. How are you? <laughs> you look you look like a man beaten down, and I don't know what's happened. <laughs> oh, I'm okay. No, I'm good. I, I think I'm a little this is a bit of an overshare, but I, I uh uh I've got like some I I've got some heel pain and uh oh I went to the podiatrist today uh to yes. he was like, Well it seems like it's fasciitis and I was like, Okay, great. I that's what I had assumed it was, so what are we gonna do? And he yep. kinda shrugged the entire time. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, like I came armed with, because I've had friends who've had plantar fasciitis and that right. sort of thing. And, um, and basically, you know, I, I kind of know about like the stretches or I know about, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the water bottle with, uh, with ice or whatever, the 
Mm -hmm. ice water bottle that you kind of like, you know, roll your uh, foot over and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I know all that stuff. And I kind of go in there and ask him about that. And he'd be like, eh, that's a temporary solution. Like, you just, you just know, like, nothing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So it's just like, is there anything (laughs) you can do? And he kind of hemmed and hawed and was like, well, we can, we can you know, give me an orthotic. And I was just like, that was the thing that I thought was going to happen. Yes. <laughs> Why is this the last minute resort? Like, yeah. Give me the more orthotic, please. Yes. Um, so anyway, that's my, that's my sort of, uh, that is why I have the, the gentle air of, uh, mm-hmm. of a man, uh, in crisis. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, um, I, I don't mean this to, I don't mean to turn this into this type of a podcast, but you're not alone. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, my wife, my wife has it as well. And oh, yeah. she, she's doing the water bottle, the ice water yeah. bottle. Uh, she's got a special sock to sleep in. It's oh, okay. the, Pulls yeah, her the, toe the, up. You know, so like, Strasbourg sock. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a weird looking sock. Yeah. No, my, <laughs> I, my, uh, an old roommate of mine used to have one. The doctor said no. <laughs> I was like, should I get one of those? He's like, no. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's good. Is, is she finding it helpful? Is she finding all Recording in progress. Yes, now we're recording. Oh, well How about done. that, Darcy? <laughs> there we are. Welcome to Planters Fasciitis Chat here on Comedy <laughs> Above the Pub. We got Planters Pals here. Yes, this is where this is your, where we come in. That's okay. We were talking about sad things beforehand, but now we're talking about a very uh, cheery subject: Planters Fasciitis. Yes. Um, every everyone on the podcast today has has either had it, has it, or is affected by it. Mm. And what I find weird is that it came out of nowhere and suddenly everyone I knew had it. Mm. Like I'd never heard of it before I got it. Yeah. And then suddenly, as soon as I got it, it seemed everyone I knew had a case of it or like, oh, yeah, I, I, I just got that or I just got over that. Kind of like um, maybe this is a poor comparison, but like ADHD, I kind of feel similarly okay. about yeah. where – I, okay, so I am so glad you said ADHD because as soon as you went A, I was like, "Oh no, don't say that." That's no, oh, no. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, no. no, because I, I feel like it, I mean, I think the the sentiment is that it's under it was has been underdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know a lot of like um, adults who um, who have been diagnosed with ADHD right. kind of later on. So yeah, yeah, with plantar fasciitis, I had not heard about it until. Mm-hmm. My roommate got it, and I was like, "Okay." And and yeah, <laughs> same contagious. thing. Like, <laughs> I is, guess, it, yeah. is it contagious? Like, is that how people are getting this? Because, okay, so everyone on this call has different doctors. Because I went to mine, mm-hmm. and this thing for me flared up. My my foot started hurting as soon as I started walking the dog on a regular basis. We had just gotten the dog, and so I'm walking them all over Toronto, and so my foot starts to hurt. So I'm like, "Ah, oh, great, it's part of this." So. Um, I go see her, go, and my foot hurts. She's like, you know, first question out of the gate, you walking more? I was like, mm, got a dog. That's it. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, put the dog down. She put the dog down. So yeah, he's dead now. Right. So that's fine. <laughs> Wife is in tears. Um, so, uh, well, uh, trust me, if I, um, if my wife had a choice of had to choose between dog and me and a gun is pointed, I know I'd be hearing the click as my last thing. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so she went straight to orthotic. Like there wasn't any of this fannying about with like, uh, oh, you got to stretch and stuff like that. It's like, mm, go to the podiatrist guy. I was like, yeah. okay. So I was like there the next day, like, boom. 
Yeah, and you found it was it, it cured you, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Like I've still got like I keep the orthotics in like a pair of winter boots that I've got up here. Yeah. So it kind of like keeps it keeps it. Um, like when I wear those specifically, it it, it I can I can feel the the support. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can feel that. And my other shoes are just like, oh, I can breathe. Like it's like that. Like, you know, the, okay. is this a custom job or this is like a Dr. Schultz situation? No, this was like professional health insurance. Mm-hmm. This was, I don't know if I mentioned this before on this podcast, but they took appointments in a paper calendar. They're like, oh, okay, wow. I'd like to book my follow up. And they're like, Okay, let's just take a look here. Um, how is uh, there? We go. How's April? Yeah, and uh, like uh, unbelievable. I'm like, do you understand technology? Like, should I? Like, are you, are you just gonna make like a wax cast at a bee wax or something? And then this is how I'm. Yeah, I, don't know. I just tweeted about this, uh, and I hate that sentence that I just said, but I, I just tweeted about <laughs> this, um, and. Um, I feel like in my experience lately, I'm just finding the older the doctor or the longer they've been practicing medicine, kind of yes. the less they – and this is like just a blanket statement. I'm sure this is not true unilaterally. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not true unilaterally. unilaterally but um, yes. I just find with a lot of like the older doctors, they just don't care as much or they just don't know, which is right. the opposite of how I feel it should be be <laughs> mm-hmm. you know i feel like you're an older doctor you should just know everything like everything's happened you you know you're like a, a grizzled old right. hero and you know the cure but I, I feel like most of my older doctors are just sort of like eh, walk it up uh-huh. to be fine um i get the feeling it was kind of like this like yeah we've been hacked five times what's your so what's your uh health card number what yes. <laughs> okay, no, yeah. yeah 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 i don't i don't like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Brandon, now we're at a time where we get to say, which war do you mean? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I we, will say, as per that same tweet, uh, I, I did once have a, uh, a, a dermatologist. I went to a couple mm-hmm. of dermatologists for some sort of like thing that was happening in my skin, as one does. Right. And right. Uh, no, no one was like nailing it. And I went to a weird dermatologist who had like shirt open all the way down um like hairy chest like a medallion okay. oh, <laughs> it's kind of a little weird like <laughs> like sex pest energy you and just, you went like, you went to cured. the dermatologist <laughs> <laughs> just like a weird kind of dude and then was just and just like instantly was just like here's what it is here's a problem here's a solution bye <sighs> baby <laughs> all right <laughs> so i guess that's the thing is like look for the <laughs> weird sex creep Okay, right that, but oh my for the god weird doctors with a weird look for the weird sex it's, it, well you want a guy with experience on it too he's like he probably just leans in oh yeah i've had that yes, okay that's true. <laughs> yeah that is fair this, this is what i one. did just a, yeah <laughs> like, um yeah i don't i always find specialists are kind of like I kind of prefer like regular doctors because they kind of have to, because they generalize, they're sort of like, Oh, okay. So it could be this. It could be that. Could be that. Mm-hmm. I find, I find specialists and it's, and I, I, I would say this about anyone who is really into their field. Doesn't matter what job, but like if they're good at one thing, mm-hmm. that one thing is their sole focus and anything outside of that is nonsense. Sure. Like, it's just, I just want to focus on the foot. That's all I want to do mm-hmm. is like, hey, here's some other information for you. Is it foot related? No. <laughs> and they're right. 
They're not, they're not the people you want to invite to brunch. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you so help was, me with this w- issue? Uh, <laughs> help. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm also not going to invite your sex pest guy because, oh. you know, <laughs> he'll be looking at everyone's skin. Yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah, I've had that. That's true. <laughs> um, so – how, what have you been doing over the, over the pandemic? Cause things have been on and off and then, you know, as a performer, obviously mm-hmm. it, it's harder. So like, what, what have you been up to over the course? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I mean, professionally, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sort of luckily, uh, for, fortuitously decided to transition my career more towards writing, uh, in the year before the pandemic hit. So mm-hmm. I've been lucky enough to have had writing some pretty consistent writing jobs. Good. The course of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then outside of that, I mean, I've just been trying to, uh, kind of live through a pandemic. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> mostly, I mostly just like, you know, I'll watch movies or, um, uh, order too much junk online, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, um, watch more movies, I guess. That's sort of my general uh-huh. meal. Uh, what have you, what have you done recently? I'll, I'll I'll tell you man after like I I love I love swapping um uh ideas for what we should put in the queue next. Oh sure for like uh, like shows? Yeah. Uh so the most recent show uh that I wrote for one of, one of the more recent shows I wrote for is uh, Run the Burbs and that's on CBC right now. Yep. Mhm. show. Um, and, uh, it's every Wednesday at, I believe, 8.30 on CBC. Mm-hmm. And you can also catch it on CBC Gem. We, we just had Samantha Wan on. I saw, talking yeah. Talking about that very thing. Yeah. It says, yes. She's very insistent. 8.30 <laughs> Wednesday. Great. Then she's, then yes. she's better than I. <laughs> <laughs> I've also done some work on The Next Step, which is this teen dance show. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm hoping, I mean, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what I, <laughs> what happens for me in the future. I certainly hope yeah. I continue to work, but, uh, but that's awesome. Yeah. What's, uh, what was the writing room at, um, uh, at run the burbs? Uh, or what was it like? Um, yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it, uh, a couple of comedy people that I knew and a couple other people from other shows. I think there's a lot of people from like, uh, um, there's some crossover for Mr. D and, uh, and, uh, Kim's convenience. Mm-hmm. So generally that sort of like, uh, a bunch of people from those two, um, rooms. Uh, mm-hmm. everyone was really great. A lot of people really good story. You know, that's, uh, I'm, I'm more of a like joke person who's mm-hmm. learning story and getting better at it. Right. Hopefully. So, <laughs> um, but it's a lot of fun and Andrews are really like, as you, we all know, Andrew's like really fun and magnetic and, uh, would mm-hmm. bring a lot of stories from his life or a lot of things from his life to the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would just get to kind of extrapolate on those and turn those into fun storylines and also mix in our own kind of mm-hmm. experiences as suburbanites or people looking as cute the suburbs, that sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So the room so, was an actual, you guys were in a room or you're doing it? We, yeah. Yeah. So we, we, uh, there were a couple iterations of the room and, uh, we started off online. And then when we got into production, uh, we had the first couple of weeks were online and then we moved right to the room. So there's a place okay. in Scarborough, um, uh, studio in Scarborough where they film a couple mm-hmm. of shows. So that's where we were. So that was my first time back in a room since before the, uh, pandemic started. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was that first day like? <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it was a little bit scary. 
Mm-hmm. I, I joined, um, I was online for a few days before, um, I, I was online up until like they had been in the room for like a week. Um, right. And so I joined the room a little bit late, the physical room. And, uh, so everyone had been settled in. Nothing had happened so far at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the energy for me was a little bit scary because, you know, I, I had not been in close quarters regularly with people for a while. Uh, but it was pretty, um, Eventually kind of warmed up to it. I would say the mask thing was a little, uh, I'm very pro mask, uh, but, uh, yep. but was obviously uncomfortable. <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of having to wear it all the time. Sure. And when you're wearing a mask all the time, you start to smell your mouth or you smell yourself <laughs> kind of all day, uh, while you're working. And that's sort of, um, that's not mm-hmm. a fun, uh, thing either. So, um, Sorry, I just plugged in my computer. So no yeah, problem. that was that was a bit of a challenge. But um, outside mm-hmm. of that, like it, it was great. And it's also like you know, many many of the rooms that I've worked on uh, for the past couple of years have been online, and I'm uh, it's it's just becoming so wearying. Right. Um, just staring at a computer all day, and like mm-hmm. my computer's right there, so like I have a weird attention thing. So sometimes I'll like drift away without realizing it. Um, when you're in a room you can't really physically do that without it being conspicuous right. <laughs> so it forced me to kind of be just, more present when i was in a just room. ask jeffrey tubin oh sure yeah <laughs> of course i will he's, he's, he, he, sometimes i'm not saying that you know him i'm saying you know oh, just I, in reference to i'm sure he wasn't in the writing room he's not doing much these days except well you know yeah um he, he's back in a limited wink capacity like it's oh. it was like oh jeffrey's here Hands where we can see them. Good for ah. him. I yeah. will say the most salacious thing I've done on camera uh, during uh, <laughs> during like Zoom calls has been uh, just eating tons of cheese. <laughs> yes, that's the thing I'm mostly uh-huh. doing is eating cheese, and uh, uh-huh. that's about the most revealing thing. Right. Yeah. I think. I think. Uh, yeah. It's it's either eating, drinking stuff that you shouldn't be doing on mic anyway. Yeah. Right. It's all that stuff. Uh, you get to figure out who really chews their nails. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife has been on calls where there have been, um, uh, it should have come with parental guidance at the, at the front of the, of the call mm. because, uh, suddenly there was titties and like, Oh no. Oh no. Did, yeah. Didn't need that. And she's, <laughs> you, and how do you do that? Do you message him? Um, maybe a towel, Sharice? How about that? Oh dear. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm so insistent about like having, uh, cause I have like my own office space in our apartment, which mm-hmm. I share with my boyfriend. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, having an office is just like so ideal because at least yes. the other person can just walk around mm-hmm. and do whatever. Exactly. But, uh, yes. yeah, being in public space is like my biggest nightmare. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, like we moved, when we moved house, she was like, we got a lot of rooms and I went, I think it's too much. Not for COVID. It's not sweetheart. Cause we both work from home. <laughs> yeah. We have a dog that goes everywhere. We have enough house. Yes. It's fine. Oh, you know? absolutely. Cause, cause we went, we started living together in 600 square feet. We were living in my old, my old apartment. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we both were working from home. And it was a nightmare. Like the I love you's became sarcastic. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, How long have you been married? 
Um, we have been married none of your business. <laughs> um, we have uh, eight years. Eight years will be nine. Oh, uh, congratulations. Nine in, uh, nine in, um, uh, in July. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like giving her little pop quizzes. So I'll just come up behind her and go, when's our, when's our anniversary? She, then she has to think about it, which is nice. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like that pressure. Um, actually, we are – how long have you been with, with your fella? Uh, just over three years. Yes. Nice. Now, what what was the cohab like? How long have you been living together? Uh, COVID. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? That was – yeah, yeah. It, it sort wow. of semi-officially happened over – yeah. So, when mm-hmm. COVID started – yeah. So, basically, the second second month of COVID, top of April. Uh, okay. We – um. When COVID started, I was actually in South Africa for a, a couple of weeks for like a like an improv festival, which okay. is um, which was a lot of fun. And um, uh, and when everything started shut, started shut down around March 13th, I was still in South mm-hmm. Africa. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> but uh, we managed to uh, we managed to fly back safely, and I got back at around March 17th. So we were like okay. uh, apart for two weeks, and also I had been at 22 minutes for a full season. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that. So when we were pretty early in our relationship, so we had not spent a ton of time around each other mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was just away all the time. And then right. uh, when COVID happened, that was just like April 1st was when he sort of moved in. It was just sort of like a temporary cohabitation. Then it became kind of like more or less a uh, full-fledged one. Right. And you, and, and how is the space for you too? Like, cause 600 for us was, tense mm-hmm. but it was doable do you have like a like an okay house space so you can both work from home and stuff or yeah sort of like i mean the the office this is the only so there's like it's like a two-bedroom apartment okay uh which i'm you know which is great and um it, i used to live here with a roommate and he moved out and then i had the apartment to myself for a little while uh so i turned this into the office space and um mm-hmm. basically having these two spaces uh, i think works really well like especially like if we want to, if we're watching TV or something and we want to watch different right. things, you know, I can have this like TV on, in my <laughs> office here, this giant TV. Um, uh, but yeah, for the most part, it works. Like he set up an office, a workspace too, like in the main area. So mm-hmm. um, for the most part, it works pretty well, I think. I think, I think that was the big thing about the, like, like for me, like the, the first impact was just being, not just trapped at home, but trapped in home, mm. you know, in confined space. And if, if we didn't have the, the, the separation ability, because my wife, my wife is like on calls nonstop. Mm. Like that's her job. She is constantly on the phone. So the noise bleed is kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's nice to have like, I have a recording studio down here because, you know, this is where I audition and record things for a job. Right. Yes. Like, you know, you don't have a face like this and a voice like this and not go, you need a studio. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so it's been nice. There was, there was times that they were doing actually work on my, my actual writing office, which is full on call bleed and stuff like that. So working down here, it was kind of nice. It was like going to, it was like going to like a day job. I would like come downstairs, you know, and then they would, Oh, get to meet the wife in the, in the lunchroom, uh, you know, the kitchen. And then we did, you know, just that. It's like, it was all that kind of fun stuff. It was like, it was, it was so goddamn cool to, to, to sort of have that sort of separation. It was, it, I hadn't had that feeling in a while of like, I'm actually going away to do something as opposed to just like opening up the doors. Like, oh, I'm home again. Like it really felt, Kind of weird, right? Yeah, no, that's sort of. I don't know. 
Yeah. That's kind of nice. I mean, what I'm saying is that I'm insane, Brandon. That's I, I literally. <laughs> no, that's, very, that's so nice. I, like, a, you know, I, I kind of I would love, uh, you know, my my short term goal for uh, the next or short term, long term, realistically, mm-hmm. is to have a house, <laughs> you know, like um, in the city, I guess. is That's why it's like, you know, so. Right. Bad goal because that's not uh, going to happen. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least that way, then it's, it's just, there's so many different spaces. There's so much space where two people mm-hmm. can kind of be in and cohabitate. Right. Um, I'm an only child. My boyfriend is, uh, he's got two other brothers. Mm-hmm. So we both have, we're both very, I say we're quite different personality styles. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm very much an introvert and I'm the type of only child who I like, I need my space. A lot of right. the time, uh, but he's very much like you, you don't live in a house with like two parents and two other brothers and, you know, have the most amount of privacy or the most amount of like, you know, being by yourself kind of mm-hmm. deal. So at least, you know, in a larger space, like I feel like two people could kind of ho- cohabitate and then like right. be able to have both of their personality styles, um, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, accommodated. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you are very much – this is how I'm picturing it. Just him constantly going, how is your day? And you're like <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. A lot of me eating cheese in a corner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and being like when I'm, when I'm finished. Uh-huh. Where uh, where did you grow up? Were you are you a Toronto boy born and born and bred or? Uh, so <laughs> I was born down the street uh, from here. Nice. <laughs> I live in the annex right now. Uh, okay, um, but uh, I was raised in uh, Scarborough for a good chunk of my life, and then uh, in Pickering for another chunk okay. of my life. Uh, but I went to school. I've only ever gone to school in um, Scarborough and then North York. So I've never. Right. I, I have no. I don't know anything about Pickering, even though I lived there for about okay. eight years. Hmm. Um. So yeah, I'm a GTA kid, but I'm not a, yes. I, you know, wasn't raised in the city proper. Okay. Okay. And what about your boyfriend? Is he, is he local as well? Or is he like from out of town? He is from, uh, he grew up in, uh, like closer to High Park, first Oakville oh, okay. and then High Park, but he's born in Montreal. He's a lot of family in Montreal. He went to mm-hmm. university in Montreal. So he mostly identifies as a Montrealer. Okay. Um, uh, and I think also he hates beer, <laughs> he hates Toronto, which is, which is also the sort of like Montreal uh, thing. So, um, so we are both effectively GTA kids, but, uh, right. Yeah. I have less enmity for here than he does. Right. Cause I, I, so I have just moved from there. Like mm-hmm. when the, within the past, it'll be, it'll be two years. How long has the pandemic been? Two years, two years now. Yeah. As of next month. So, so yeah, it'll be two years since I, since I moved out and I spent like half my life in Toronto. So like, I always still miss it. Like, you know, like I'll see like updates from now magazine of like this restaurant closed. I'm like, God damn it. Like, yeah. oh, you know, it's like, Todd, you're 600 kilometers away. Well, maybe I still want a sandwich. Like, <laughs> come on. Um, you know, I, like there's, there's so much of the city I miss. And the other problem is that certainly, Okay, with with the idiots downtown, we're not going to be doing that anytime soon. Um, they're cleared out now, I think. I think they're pretty much all gone, so now it's just the cleanup that they need to get done. But, like, even through the pandemic, because things were on again, off again, on again, off again, we didn't get a chance to go, okay, here's Ottawa, here's the new cool things that we can do. We've really just been kind of in the house, walking the dog around the neighborhood, ordering food from the same places, trying to figure out what, what who has good tie. We still haven't figured that out yet. Um, uh Shout out to you, Coco Rice. <laughs> Coco Rice. 
Um, yeah, like it's like, how is it? Uh, did you? Here's a question hmm. um, for everyone on the panel, and this is just a just a behavioral question. Did you, over the course when you're ordering in food for uh, during the pandemic, did you use this as an opportunity to try out new places that you had not tried before? Or I think I already know what Darcy's answer to this is. Or did you stick with the tried and true, same old is like, uh, no, we're just going to go with this. Like, did, did you, we were forced to because we moved cities. Mm-hmm. So like we had to, and because we can't, you know, um, you know, when you have your first heroin, you're always chasing it. It's kind of like that, but with yes. pad thai. So that's what we're, we're trying to find. So yeah. we think we found the Indian. We think we found the Indian place. Now we need to find Thai place. Well, I, I'm very much a creature of habit. Very okay. much. And I, I, there's a degree of new food that I'm willing to try. But also mm-hmm. when I – because I'm kind of an emotional eater, uh, I also – when I just want to be comforted, I want the food that mm-hmm. makes me feel comforted. I picture you showing up to your favorite restaurant going, hello, Mr. Hackett, party of one in the corner with a plate of cheese. I <laughs> Almost. I mean, there's a, there used to be a sushi <laughs> restaurant um, down the street from here. I mean, there's tons because I'm in the annex, but sure. – uh, in the opposite direction of the other ones, there's a sushi restaurant that I would go to all the time. Uh, and, um, uh, there, there was a point where, um, so uh, I feel weird admitting, admitting this, but I, I occasionally speak a little bit of Mandarin or understand a little bit of Mandarin. Nice. Uh, even though obviously sushi is Japanese, but the people who run the yes. restaurant spoke Mandarin <laughs> Chinese. Uh, and after a point, I remember walking in there and, uh, I just heard, uh, one of them, uh, when they saw me, they uh, heard them say, uh, uh, in, in Mandarin, uh, oh, it's our little friend, uh, here today. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's who I am. That's cool. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. <laughs> That's it. So that's like, yeah. So I'm, I'm very much a creature of habit and I love, uh, like my regular restaurants. So, mm-hmm. um, there's definitely like a handful of restaurants that, uh, and my boyfriend as well, like we'll, we'll right. order from the same kind of, places we order a lot okay. uh, our favorite like i think joint restaurant is uh mykonos it's really great um really great oh yeah, restaurant. yeah yeah yes yeah uh and he's greek uh and he's very got very discerning uh mm-hmm. food taste like a very discerning palate uh uh-huh. he uh uh when we ordered from him the first time he i think was initially skeptical and then tasted the food and was like this is great <laughs> this is really, really good okay. so we would order that at least mm-hmm. once a week i would say yeah. Mm-hmm. My um my wife is Italian, so we have the same thing with Italian food. And there will be times when uh we're at an Italian restaurant and I'll go, Oh, I should try this, and she'll just look at me and go, What are you doing? <laughs> don't get that's that's your parents. I was like, Well, okay, well then what should I get? I don't know. Um the I guess the question that we have to lead in now off of that is um uh how do you know Mandarin? <laughs> that's not an easy pickup I, I mean i don't know a ton of it i mean i i know enough to um knowing some is enough <laughs> <laughs> well um i i mean i like languages i like languages and i think my kind of like soft dream is to um be like a polyglot <laughs> uh-huh. I, I feel very silly admitting that yeah. but um uh i uh so I, I know like a little bit of, a, of about six languages, but I, you know, nothing impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, in university, I, I've studied classics. So I had to learn some ancient Greek and, mm-hmm. and Latin. So that was, and then obviously in elementary school, uh, and a bit of high school, uh, as mm-hmm. a Canadian, you learn French. Yes. Um, but, um, I think 
I started learning Mandarin about four years ago uh, when I was on the main stage um, mm-hmm. at Second City. Uh, after a point, like your job is just sort of like you come in for an eight o'clock show, do the show, and then go home. So your days are kind of free if you're not writing the show. Uh, and uh, I was just finding myself kind of getting kind of um, – I, I was really – I just felt like something was kind of lacking, <laughs> you know? Like I, I right. wasn't doing anything with my kind of brain or my, my life after a point. So uh, I uh, I wanted to – I decided to learn Mandarin because I didn't want to learn – I wanted to learn something that was different than uh, any sort of other Indo-European language as uh, sure. English and French and Greek and mm-hmm. Latin are. And um, it is the most spoken language, uh, widely spoken first language in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, I, I also wanted to go to China. Like I was very like I you know was planning when I left main stage. I wanted to go see a big chunk of the world that I'd never seen before because I'd only ever furthest away from Canada I'd ever been was uh, France, I think, at the time. Okay. So uh, yeah, I, I, eight months I went to regular classes on Sundays, uh, and it was really fun. And, uh, it was very, you know, it was a bit tricky and, um, I didn't really get to a point where I felt like I was confident to speak it or understand it until I went to China and I was in China for about a month. Nice. Um, and, uh, and like, yeah, truly being obviously immersed in an environment where you're hearing a language spoken and, you know, can work up the courage to kind of speak it occasionally is Mm -hmm. obviously very good. So that's where, that's where I gained some, uh, ability in mandarin but you know i i I can only really speak it like a two or three-year-old child uh (laughs) yes yes Uh, and it's been a while since i've taken a class so Mm -hmm. uh that is me in italian yeah really (laughs) yeah that's that's me in italian there was um one of the times we were over there uh we were with friends and uh we were like um uh, it's another husband and husband and wife uh, duo. So like there's this pack of four of us kind of, you know, going through Venice and we found this uh, brew pub. So we're like, okay, so let's, let's get a drink the afternoon. And so um, <clears throat> we were, me, me and the uh, other couple's wife, we were tasked with getting the other one's beer as they got our table set up. So I go in and the guy is speaking Italian behind the bar, speaking Italian to all the other people. So I'm like, okay, I better hop in on this. And so uh, in what I thought was adequate Italian is like, hi, I'm looking for a beer that's lighter for my wife. I'm saying this all in Italian. And he just immediately cuts into English and goes, okay, so we have this one over here. And I just went, I went, was it that bad? He goes, yes. So this one. Molto bad. Um, yeah. Molto. <laughs> I, you know, isn't Italian very dialectical? Like there's a lot of dialects. Yes. Right. Yes. Like I like I am learning, uh, I guess what's termed Roman, uh-huh. like proper Italian. Yes, but then there's all kinds of dialecticals. Yes, like because because we'll be we'll be in their hometown, which is like this small town in between Rome and Naples. It's a little place called Presetti. Mm-hmm. and someone will say something at the table. I go, "What was that? What was that word?" And and they'll say, "I don't know, sofa." It's like, why didn't they just say sofa? Because literally in Italian, the word is sofa. Yes. You know, we're the ones who fuck it up with Chesterfield. Why don't they just say sofa? And they go, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They just say the words they say. Right. Yeah. It is. It is a really, in my opinion, though, it's such a good, I think it's a, a good um, uh, instinct to try to speak the language of a place mm-hmm. where you're traveling. Right. Because yes, I feel a lot of guilt as a person whose first language is English. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just kind of going anywhere in the world and demanding that they speak English back to me. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, you only feel bad once you kind of uh, figure out that, oh, all I need to do is speak louder and slower. Yes. And then that will be, why don't you speak English? <laughs> Yeah. They love that. They love it. <laughs> yeah. They do. So when – okay. Yeah. So you've lived in the GTA like all your life. Dreams of learning Cantonese. That's going well. Or Mandarin, I should say. Um, when did you figure out, oh, I'm going to start doing improv? Like when – how did that bug hit? Well, improv um, – hmm. Improv felt like a bit of an afterthought because I wanted to be a comedy writer. I wanted to write Mm -hmm. for, uh, television. Um, okay. And I wanted to, so I, I, when I started doing comedy, it was in just like writing and performing sketch comedy with the Sketchersons. Mm -hmm. Um, who I guess for listeners who may or may not know, remember or whatever, uh, (laughs) they do a weekly show called Sunday Night Live uh, at Comedy Bar. Um, which, which I, I hosted once. It, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I mean, I loved, I, I loved doing it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're my favorite people. And, um, so I, I, I'd done a little bit of improv. Like I did it in high school. Um, I was on the high school improv team and my high school was extremely competitive with improv, but, uh, you know, I, I joined the team the year when all of the like superstars left and, uh, I was not great. <laughs> so, you know, it was a bit of a chaotic year and I, I just like, I swore off improv for a long time. I just, you know, um, mm-hmm. but, um, I think I, I felt like I was hitting a wall when I started doing sketch comedy before I joined Sunday Night Live. And, um, so uh, because we're in Toronto, Second City and a couple of other improv companies were around at the time as well, too. So I just figured out, I figured that the best way to kind of get myself out of a, out of a rut and kind of unlock mm-hmm. the area of my brain was to just take improv classes because I knew that improv is a way to kind of like also uh, generate ideas. So I started taking classes Mm -hmm. with improv uh, impatient theater company at the time, uh, which are defunct Mm -hmm. and then eventually second city. And then uh, that was a lot of fun. And I I found that my uh, structure brain for, for sketch comedy really was helpful in uh, improv at that Mm -hmm. point. So I felt that I was able to have a tiny bit of an advantage coming up. Right. And then, yeah, I think pretty soon after I finished the training program there, I started to get work and it was just in the system for a couple of years. And then, uh, lo and behold, I, I got main stage. Nice. So that's, yeah, that's sort of that circuitous journey, but it's always been through <laughs> writing <laughs> mostly. Right. The, uh, you're, you're absolutely right about when you hit a rut. Like I had gotten away from comedy for so long mm-hmm. and, um, cause I, I had, I had to take a break. Uh, from comedy to uh, go through a, a marriage and a divorce. Oh wow! Uh, and then once I was through that, I was like, "What was that comedy again? Do I gotta? <laughs> do I get to try that?" Um, but I was like you. I was like, I didn't know like where to start again. I was in Toronto. I was like, oh, "What do I do?" Um, and I literally I did the same thing you did. I started Second City, mm-hmm. just level A. Let's you know pretend you're painting a wall and let's do that for you know three hours mm-hmm. once a week and. There's just so much you can learn from just taking offers and just learning to listen and just doing that. And, and I think it, it, for me, I think it like that education would be good for anyone who's feeling like a log jam creatively and just like, it just helps unlock stuff that you just, it, it, it helps you be in the moment. And I found like, you know, the comedy I was writing was, was, 
was, uh, was okay before that. And then it really kind of kicked up. Um, I'm finding, how do you find your writing now compared I, to previously? Uh, that's well, that's uh, number one. That's I'm glad to hear that because I feel like so many, I feel like there's such an attitude around like improv or improvisers. Uh, oh, <laughs> that's so like yeah, shutting okay. them. And like, I get it. Like I get the whole like theater kid, like, People sure. kind of like, you know, shooting on theater kids. Like, I totally get that uh, mm-hmm. as a f- former theater kid. Um, right. But, uh, but, but yeah, you know, it really opens up your, your mind and your imagination in ways and it makes you kind of less judgmental of things. I, I'd say for me, I mean, there, there are different ways. There's so many different steps. Uh, depending on where I was on my sort of like improv journey, my writings changed in, in, in significant ways. So, mm-hmm. um, it definitely helped me when I started doing it and then, and writing while keeping it bearing improv in mind, it helped me just sort of like work through writing writer's block or through that sort of self editing thing mm-hmm. that I um, have, you know, I just kind of like plow through an idea Correct. instead of like yeah. judging it and then just like scrapping it, just plow through an idea and then see what can be salvaged. And then like mm-hmm. do rewrites after that. Uh, I also find that my writing became way more performative, which is good yeah. for when you're writing for other people. Yes. Uh, because I know when I'm writing for myself, I can write whatever. Like I can write the most technical jargony garbage or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's just part of my, I think my comedic persona is just sort of sounding a little bit like a stupid professor. Right. Um, but, uh, but, but when you, you know, writing through improv, uh, at least you, you can sort of like, uh, writing through improv has helped me kind of like free up my brain so that like I can write dialogue that I think people would be able to speak or that sounds natural. Uh, and, uh, and and also when I'm writing and I'm stuck, I can just sort of like rephrase something in the way that I would rephrase it on stage Mm -hmm. with, you know, my performance brain kind of trying to translate something so that an audience would uh, be able to hear it clearly and find it funny. That sort of has really helped. And it also just gives me a bunch of, uh, tools, new tools in my toolbox with regards to, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like when I'm writing a sketch or something like that, there are like several different types of jokes or ways that I approach, uh, kind of making jokes. Like if I'm like, right. Well, I don't know if this type of joke will work, so maybe I'll use this type of joke. And I know that this subset of an audience, you know, will will get this joke or will like the joke or it'll appeal to this group of people. Like it sort of helped me right. kind of know my audience a bit better, I think, is what I'm saying. Yeah. No. It, uh, uh, um, okay. So first of all, my favorite thing is when stand-up comics shit on improvisers. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite thing in the world because they're just <laughs> so stupid. It's like, oh yeah, I've been to improv shows and they're all, uh, they're all dumb. Like, oh really? Where'd you see an improv? Well, there's an open mic. Really? So you went to an open mic mm-hmm. improv night. You're telling me this is a comedy open mic where there's no one here. Everyone just wants to watch the Jays lose and you did silence, uh, throughout your set talking about weed, porn and Tinder. Mm-hmm. Um, right after the guy before you did weed, porn and Tinder. So shut it. I have, I have, I, I suffer no truck with that. <laughs> suffer no truck. Well, it's with also it. like we're all like, you know, everyone gets into comedy for different reasons, but we all, mm-hmm. I think fundamentally want people to laugh, like to, you know, get a response from the audience. We want right. That positive feedback and reinforcement. And it's like, we're all kind of losers in that way. Why don't we just all kind of appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes. <laughs> We're all broken people. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I found I found as well, like as I as I examined improv more and more, like when I was on stage doing stand up, I was like, you know, if you listen, if you get past that line speed beauty thing, if you're the line in the beauty thing where you just like, you know, the joke, 
every time you say a line, that's an offer to you mm. that you can add in. And I noticed that when the, when the audiences are accepting of it, like when you can see an audience is like, Oh, like they're into not just, not just what I'm doing, but comedy in general. Like when they're accepting of that, mm. I can go, Oh, let's try and, and it'll, it'll happen organically. I find it's like you just say something after the regular line that you would have said and the punchline hasn't even come up yet. And you're just like, Oh, well, let's, let's discover this and let's try that. Mm. And that's my favorite thing is like taking, something up on stage where you've just done the writing to death on it and going like, well, I've taken this as far as I can here. Now it's time to see if the boat's going to float. And then you go out and you, you push it into water and see what, what a fucking stupid metaphor, but you know what <laughs> oh, I mean? It's, it's a great like, metaphor. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I get it. I love boats. Yeah. Boats, right? <laughs> Comedy's boats. Sometimes the boats sink. Sometimes the boats charge a two drink minimum. Sometimes the people that are on the boat don't want to be on the boat. Or more importantly, don't want you on the boat. Sometimes boats. they won't let you on the boat unless you bring a bunch of friends. Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> buy a bunch of drinks on the boat. Yes, exactly. Oh, I hate the bringer boats. Oh, the bringer boats are the worst. Um, so what, uh, so, so now that you've kind of got this the training stuff like that like what i want to go back to the writing room for a second what is it like when you're trying to like for for you like what has your experience been when you've been in the room breaking a script mm -hmm. like how is that work divided out amongst the room like has one person just got the pen and everyone's throwing ideas mm -hmm. or like how how is this working for you how do you do it uh, it's different for different rooms um I, i'd say the way that i like it the best is uh when the showrunner or obviously the lead in the room uh, is the person uh, kind of running uh, everything. So you're kind of throwing ideas at the person and they're, uh, they're either writing them down on cue cards and putting them up uh, mm -hmm. to make this sort of like episode board or right. uh, since we've been online, you know, doing, putting stuff into the Trello board and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. So it's usually, yeah, it's usually if it's like the, the person whose, whose voice is the primary voice of the show um, mm -hmm. but also it can be whoever the sort of senior most per person is, uh, you know, I'm still fairly, I would say fairly young in this, in, in this industry and, in in, in, mm -hmm. um, in, um, to sort of like more narrative driven writing. So I'm, I'm like still learning and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 I still get anxious anytime, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it, it's like, all right, we need you and you to come up with a story or whatever, like two people to come up with a story because it's like, listen, like. <laughs> I'm happy mm -hmm. to throw ideas and help shape something, but I, you know, I, I'm, uh, I, uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't have the confidence that I can come up right. with an amazing story that's going to and this is, blow your This is where so, I yeah. picture you and the other person locked in a room, yeah. sleeves rolled up, ties loosened, cigarettes in an ashtray just piled up like this, <laughs> bottle of bourbon and styrofoam cups going, what if we had a dog? <laughs> like... <laughs> Well, that's, that's the, that's the interesting, I guess, uh, paradox is not the word, but the uh, irony maybe, uh, of, of, mm -hmm. uh, how I like to work, which is that I was in, you know, doing improv for a very long time, even professionally. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and sometimes I'm just so much, uh, when it comes to like sitting down and writing, I, you know, in a way I, I really much more prefer to kind of like do it by myself sometimes. Yes. Um, but like obviously breaking story can be so much fun with other writers and that sort of thing, but you know, uh, and then everyone has different styles too of, of bringing mm -hmm. story, you know, like I, I've been in rooms where, uh, showrunner is very like, yes. And like everything, like, let's just take, let's just put down B 
things and then right. figure stuff out afterward. And I've been in rooms where, you know, people are a bit more like, uh, they'll think about the logic of something mm-hmm. steps before it happens. And that's, I I don't have that brain at all. You know, like I can't sort right. of, you know, if I say something, if I, if I pitch an idea, I'm just sort of like, let's put it down and see if it works. But if someone mm-hmm. is able to kind of like see like 10 steps down the line, that's not going to work. To me, I'm just like, how? How do you do that? Like, <laughs> my brain is so – I've got pandemic mush brain. Like I can't – Right. You know, it, it's uh, – so it, it's, all, it's, all, it's all very it's all very different and everyone has different working styles. Yeah. And I think it's just kind of constantly a uh, uh, reconciling of different sensibilities until yeah. they meld. I see that is something I, I can't wait to try because I've only been doing like solo writing. Like, I've just been doing like contest stuff and, and, and kind of building up a portfolio that way. And yeah, I you got had, into like a, you got like top three in something recently. Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. I, I just did short in the short screenplay, uh, NYC midnight competition. Congratulations, so that's, that's huge. Kind of fun. Kind of fun. Um, yeah. Uh, Santa's workshop needs work. That's basically the plot line. That it. was, yeah, they <laughs> Great. were get, getting some investment in, but like, I find like when I'm writing and I've, and I've, I've also done their short story contest and I've done okay there. Um, for me, it's always a, and I don't know how this would work in a room or whatever. Like, like as soon as I think of like they went in these compact in these contests, they anchor you on three points, which is like a location, a person or an object or a setting in an object or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you have to incorporate all these three things. So then I will, I will sit there and go, okay, what are the things I like about these particular genres or what could you use like these things for? And it isn't until I think of this one thing that Oh, that'd be cool if that happened. Mm-hmm. Once I have that, I can start working backwards from it. Cause I find, uh, I find that's how I write jokes. Like I come up with the funny thing and go, okay, so how do I get to there? Like mm-hmm. what's the feed in? Right. Like it's never, I never seem to walk this way. Right. I'm always like, Oh, this is where I want to be. Now, how did I get there? Right. So it's always like that. So that, and that, and that can be arduous, but like at least when I've got like that one thing, I don't know about you, but like if I have the one thing and it's like, oh, this will be like, so for me, I think that moment is like when you're yes anding, you're putting up the things on the board, like it would be great if they all had skateboards or something like that. It's like, <laughs> okay, put the skateboard idea up there. It's like, um, yeah, like I just, I just did, uh, like for, for the, for the Santa Claus one, what was the thing? It was, um, I needed, um, the, the, the object was hair dye. <laughs> so what they, what they did is they said they let you do any genre, right? So they just, that fucks you right there because normally it's like, oh, you're doing action adventure. I'm like, fuck, I gotta do action adventure or romance or fairy tale or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So then they say this time you can do anything. It's like, ah, because now, now it could be anything. So like you're going through every genre, like what could work? What could work? Because the, um, the, uh, location was a uh, fixer upper and the um, object was hair dye. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm like, how do I get hair dye into this? And I was like, what if someone impersonated Santa and they threw water on him and then it all dra- drained off? So I said, okay, so that would be kind of fun. That would be a fun thing. Now, what does that mean? All I've got is like a guy who looks like Santa and now has just 
that running down. And I also had like this, it would be cool if an, if an elf was in an outhouse and the outhouse blew away and the elf was just sitting there on the toilet. Yes. Like that I thought was kind of fun. <laughs> so like, how do I get those two things melded in? And then that was the thing. It's like, okay, so this is the fixer upper and this guy's going to steal the, the North Pole and stuff. So. Oh yeah. It's always easy, easier to write when you have like the clear uh, images or the clear, um, the things that really get you excited about the ideas yes. and you can sort of yeah. write towards them. Yeah. That stuff mm-hmm. is always good. Yeah. And a lot of like the writing that I've done or been a part of, you know, mm-hmm. it's always like, what's the act break, you know, like what's the, what's the right. thing you're working up to? What's the like cliffhanger? And then, you know, uh-huh. uh, you know, and uh, how do you escalate it in the, the, by the next act break? And then how, how do you resolve it? Yeah. All that stuff is really the trade secrets. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So here's something. Mm-hmm. I have had the uh, – okay, so in, in my case, just doing like these stupid contests, um, I might not like the genre that they give me, but you got to fight through it. What is it like for you? Have you hit this point yet where you're like, okay, we got to do this episode and you're just like, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Like have you have you had that yet where you got to like write through something and it's just like – going through like like what is how do you break through that like how do you how do you fall in love with the thing you don't like uh well i haven't had any situations where i haven't uh liked the things that i've done even a little bit mm-hmm. i would say for some of the work i've done on the next step um i don't know dance uh at all ah right um, I'm, I'm very you know like i i i just never i, I don't know dance but uh, I did go to an arts high school, performing arts high school. Uh, okay. So the the stakes of an arts competition or of mm-hmm. uh, or even just knowing dancers, whatever th- those are, that was my sort of way in to kind of understand uh, how those characters felt. Yes, and 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 the uh, to understand the stakes a little bit more. And mm-hmm. and, and typically, if I'm ever faced with sort of situations in any writing where I, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily confidently know something. At least I, I try to find my clearest uh, real life analogs so that I mm-hmm. can kind of metaphorically get into it, I suppose. Right. Uh, or metaphorically write as truthfully as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that'd be the best example, I think for me. Yeah. I, um, uh, most recently I did a short story. It was supposed to be action adventure. And it was, um, uh, it had to be like a negotiator in some form of recognizance, mm. which I know nothing about. So I was Googling, um, areas of like, um, Afghanistan of like where camps could be and Googling drones and Googling, mm. um, uh, you know, guns, like types of guns and missiles and stuff like that. And like what, you know, oh, so to add to the story, how long would it take this missile to get to this part? And so like where, how far along would that be and how much time would it be? And, uh, I realized I hadn't done it in an incognito window. Oh, no. So I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> um, so when did Cesus knock on your door? Yeah. So, and how do I explain? It's for a contest. It's for a contest. Oh, oh boy. Um, Brandon, thank you for being here, man. Oh, thank that, you for having me. Hour. That's the hour. Um, you're going to be joining me on March 11th at Write 'Em Up sure, online. Yeah. That is going to be great. Um, that is at the Unknown Comedy Club. I can't wait for that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, five comics coming to the stage. Brandon and two other writers. Is it, is it you this week? Oh, no, no, sorry. You're, you're doing the live one. 
Which I also meant to tell you. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm doing the live one. No, no, no. I meant to tell you because I thought we discussed about it. Uh, we, we discussed the um, uh, the live show with you because I thought you you gave me a, a thumbs up. I had it in my notes. You were like, I believe so, yeah. Yes. I, I mm, about that, folks. There's been a scheduling conflict at Comedy Bar. So, Brandon, get your calendar out, you know, your mm, like this. Um, it's April 30th now. April 30th. It's April 30th. Sounds is good. uh is the next live so we might put in another online one in between or we might just wait until the uh, april 30th but that's when the new live write em up's gonna be so brandon has done both live and uh online you're great at both you're so kind you're Thank great you very at, much you're great at both because this is what i love is like your your roasts are not that roasty <laughs> no. but when you reread them i'm like oh fuck that's nasty like you have there's layers to your to your roast i just adore it. Um, i do like them they're mm-hmm. so much fun to and write then, and then sometimes you're just like i really like that person that's all i wanted to say <laughs> oh yeah sometimes i just want to yeah. <laughs> let people know that not I'm- on my show sir <laughs> not on my show um so yes five comics Perform all the while writers, not unlike Brandon, uh, uh, will be writing roast jokes about everything the comic does. I dismiss the comic and I read those roasts uh, uh, to the audience verbatim, providing anonymity and emotional distance for the writers. Uh, it's the funnest show on the globe, also in TO. Uh, so April 30th live, March 11th will be an online one at the Unknown Comedy Club. Uh, make sure I mean, support our show and, and the other shows that are going on at both those venues. They've both taken hits. The Unknown Comedy Club had to start up by virtue of their not being performance spaces and they're doing great. And we're still going to keep doing shows there and comedy bar. God love them. Support local comedy and local entertainment where you can, when you feel safe to do so for crying out loud. Um, uh, run the burbs. Uh, you, we can, we can see, are you, you'll be in credits. Yeah. I'm story editor. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, every nice. credits for every episode. That is sweet. Okay. So make sure you watch, uh, run the burbs has two people. Now they're telling you what time is it? 8.30 on Wednesdays, I believe. That's right. Oh, my God. That was just like Sam. That's just I felt like Samantha was in the room. Um, you got anything else coming up, Brandon, we got to know about? Uh, nope. Nothing really. You can just follow me okay. at Twitter if, uh, yeah. if you want to hear from me. My more of my hot uh, yes. takes on doctors. Uh-huh. <laughs> People who cure Twitter, us of uh, illnesses. Your, your Twitter feed is is fantastic. It's one of my favorites. Oh, when I see you pop, I was like, oh, that's so fun. Thank um, you. Stay, stay uh, around for a while. We'll say goodbye like proper human beings, yeah. and we'll do the intro for the episode and take the picture in the whole bit, because Darcy reminds me to do all those things before we leave. Uh, Darcy, where do people find you? Uh, me and my cats are on Instagram, Monty and Darcy. That is correct. Uh, you can find me personally at Hey It's TVA. You can follow this very podcast at CATP Podcast. That's right, folks. Cat P, uh, you know the drill. Go to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. You know the drill. Five stars, talk shit about us in the commentary. Five stars, talk shit about us in the commentary. Write them up. You can follow at Write em Up Show uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, again, April 30th is the live date in Toronto. At this point, we'll see if, you know, Again, for those of you who don't remember, our premier is a boob, so that could all change. We could get a new variant, and then we're back into the Unknown Comedy Club, which is March 11th, but there might be one after that. Um, there's definitely going to be an online show as well as live shows coming up for Write em Up, so make sure you go and see those. If you want to see my dates that are coming up virtually or in person, you can go to HayesTVA.com slash calendar. Ladies and gentlemen, 
on behalf of Brandon, the no longer erstwhile Darcy, and myself, when you listen to Cat Pee, you're in for a good time. Jimmy and Bobby, you are always the podcasts. Lately, lately, I find I rush. Can't piece together the sun and the sky of the spots on my 